Good morning. It is good to be with you here this morning, church. Is it not good to be here in the house of the Lord? Uh, I just want to take a brief moment to uh, thank the staff and the leadership for giving me the opportunity just to uh, share uh, this morning in worship and in celebration. And so it's uh, with great gratitude that I come this morning. Uh, Heather and I have been attending for about a year and a half, and we uh, really have appreciated uh, getting to know this beautiful community, uh, to be a part of the fellowship here. It's been a rich blessing. So how are you doing with your summer projects? You getting them done? You taking care of them? Are you making some crosses or X's on your list? Maybe some of you are still in the midst of painting or building or maybe weeding out the garden. Maybe some of you have entered into deconstruction mode where you're taking down an old fence or repairing an old building. Uh, maybe you've just taken some time to do some vacation or are still hoping uh, to do some vacation. So as we kind of enter into the summer project list, like you, we as a family uh, had a to-do list for the summer. We can put it up there. It has one item. Just one item. Two weeks ago, Heather and I dropped our youngest son off at St. jean Richelieu in Quebec, just outside of Montreal, as he entered into uh, basic training for officers for the military. And in the fall, he will go to RMC in Kingston. And so effectively, as of now, we are two weeks into our survive and thrive mode as empty nesters. Now, you can imagine... We approach this differently in our house. This is how I would approach it. <laughs> I'm there in my mind right now. However, Heather has a different idea of approaching it. <laughs> Simple to say, we're working through our summer project as best as we can. You know, one of the pre uh, privileges that Heather and I have is in our town of St. Stephen, uh, we work with the Junior A hockey team, the St. Stephen Aces. And for the past three years, Heather has been the education coordinator. I've been the chaplain for the team. And as a result, this sees the team for some reason, and I still haven't figured it out, but for some reason, that hockey team arrives at our house weekly for supper. <laughs> and so every Tuesday night, we have about 20, 21, uh, 17 to 20-year-old boys descend upon our house. This may be Heather's idea of dealing with empty nests, I'm not sure, but it truly is a privilege. And we, along with one of the other couples uh, uh, in St. Stephen, Bob and Liza Sweeney, who actually attend here at Riverview now as well, uh, we work with them and, and uh, seek to provide a space where they're away from their homes. There are, some of them are from uh, in the States, some of them are from BC, some are from Newfoundland. And we seek to provide a spot where they can come and be together as a team. Out of that, some of them stick around well past the mealtime, hanging out. Some of them are there for tutoring. Some of them are there for life coaching. And some of them, thankfully for Heather, are there for mothering. And in the midst of some of those relationships that we've gotten to develop with them, the issue in the conversation around God, spirituality, church, and scripture often comes up. And so one of the things that we did is we took and we took a stack of material from Hockey Ministries International, and we sat it on top of a stove that we no longer use just inside the door uh, of our kitchen. 
And we've put Bibles and we've got devotional guides and different resource materials for them. And one night, this one guy in particular, and I'll call him Fred or Frederick, uh, he started, he stayed and he was getting some tutoring and the tutor hadn't arrived. And he kept going back to the stack of books and he'd pick up a Bible, he'd look at it, and he'd turn to Heather and he says, you know, I'm not religious. And Heather said, that's okay. If you want to take a Bible, go ahead and take a Bible. He set it down. I was watching uh, some TV and he came into the TV room and he said, you know, I'm not religious. I said, that's, that's okay. That's not everybody is. And, you know, we like to think ourselves as followers of Jesus, not as religious people anyway. And so he eventually got up and left. And by the end of the evening, Frederick was going out of the door with a Bible in hand, still saying to Heather as he left, yeah, I'm not religious. And so when he came back the next week, he came in and he sat down with me and he said, you know, I, I tried to read the Bible. I said, oh, I, I said, good for you. I said, how'd you make out with that? He said, I couldn't understand a thing. I said, but where did you start? He says, well, I started at the beginning. I said, Genesis? He says, yeah, I got that. He said, but I skipped ahead to this book called Levitic? Levitic? Leviticus? <laughs> oh, Fred. And it kind of hit Heather and I as we begin to unpack with Matt, and or sorry, Fred, and help him understand the big picture. We kind of realized, you know, understanding scripture is hard, isn't it? Even for those of us who may come to church on a regular basis, understanding and allowing scripture to sink into our lives and to make a difference is really at times hard for us to find the time to do it to understand it, to really seek to apply it. And so this morning, carrying on in this notion of, of picking up spiritual disciplines as summer projects, I want to talk a little bit about meditation on Scripture. Now, growing up in St. John, I went to a very conservative church, which is a Canadian Baptist of Atlanta, Canada church, which apparently is our new name, and John, I struggle with that myself. We still, Kevin, one of my, uh, my co-associate executive ministers is here. We still call ourselves convention. So for those of you who are familiar with the term, we're good with it. But growing up in the church that I did, meditation was a bad word because the meditation that we were kind of exposed to or concerned about was more of an Eastern mysticism a sense of emptying your mind, of tuning out, of dropping out, of getting in touch with your inner self for inner power and inner uh, authority and, and, and that element of it. And so meditation wasn't something that I had grown up comfortable with. But in fact, we realized that scripture meditation isn't really about tuning out or kind of ignoring the world around us. But in fact, meditation on scripture is really about scripture filling our lives allowing God to speak deep to our inner struggles and allowing our lives to be shaped and molded around the truths of God's word. So that's really where I would kind of like us to go. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, God, we see the issue and the idea of meditation brought forward. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. 
Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In meditating on God's word, Joshua was told that by focusing in on scripture, it would enable him to know God's ways and be obedient to the task at hand. You know, in the Psalms, the psalmist speaks of meditation on, meditating on scripture as well. In Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the Lord, law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then the psalmist again in Psalm 119, 97 to 100, and I think we have this whole verse on the screen. Or, yeah, there it is there. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. Scripture tells us that when we meditate, it is as if we are like a tree that's planted by streams of water, that we're well nourished, that we're strong producers of fruit, that we are wise beyond our own capacities. We are transformed into people who live in a way that he calls us to. Meditation on scripture gives you and I the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to lead us, to shape us, to convict us, to convict us of our sin, to reveal to us uh, challenges in our relationships, to challenge our behaviors, and to address uh, those systemic concerns and underlying sin that we have chosen to ignore. So the question is, how do we create space in our lives to meditate on Scripture? How is it that in our busy days, and our busy lives, we can find a way to understand how to give our time to this and the importance it is? You'll see by the screen that for me, I'm very visual. And for me, when I think of meditation, it is like a dog with a bone. That it is, is similar to a dog devouring all the good that they can find in a bone. Growing up, we had a variety of different pets. And a number of them over the years have been dogs. Now, I shared with Joe this morning that part of me using the dog illustration is that he started this a few weeks ago with his message. My stories of dogs probably aren't as enjoyable as Joe's. I grew up with first a hyper, hyper black lab. Then we had a high-strung white Samoyed. Then we had a very yappy cockapoo. And then the one that ended it all. We had a relentless Jack Russell Terrier. 
We lost more leather to that Jack Russell Terrier than the cows on my father-in-law's beef farm could not replace. Now, you'll get a sense that all of these dogs were a little crazy in their own way. But the one thing that they all had in common was that when they were given a bone from the butcher, they calmed down. They immediately transformed. They could focus like never before. When we come to the issue of uh, scriptural meditation, one of the first things that we need to do is quiet ourselves or to calm down. Henry Nouwen, a, a known Christian author, has been attributed to this quote. Our minds are like a banana tree filled with monkeys constantly jumping up and down. It is rarely still or quiet. Our minds race with thoughts like numerous chimps clamoring for attention. For most of us, that's true, isn't it? That we have going through our minds on an ongoing basis an amazing amount of information, challenges, decisions that need to be made. And in the midst of us trying to walk with God, we struggle to find the ability to quiet ourselves and to hear him speak to us. It's great and it's easy on a Sunday morning, isn't it? To have the tone set for us by the worship team, to enter into corporate prayer, and to be able to have God speak deep into our hearts. But it's a lot more difficult tomorrow morning or Thursday morning, isn't it? And the challenge for us to quiet ourselves before God is so important. So I'd encourage you that whenever you set time aside to meditate on Scripture, to begin Scripture reading, quiet yourself with prayer. Start with a prayer to God, asking Him to just calm you. Some will call this a centering prayer. But just allowing God to deal with the distractions bit by bit, so that you can come to a place where you're finally able to focus in on what it is that he has to speak to you. The second thing is this. When our dogs got a bone, they were solely zeroed in on that bone. They didn't look at any of their other toys. They didn't look at their leash to go for a walk. They didn't look at cars driving by. They didn't look at the squirrels running through the yard. They focused and zeroed in on what they were dealing with. So let me challenge you in this, that when it comes to your scripture reading, that you pick a text and stick with it for some time, for a week, maybe even for a month, but that you don't randomly jump around, but that you pick a text and that you focus in on it. And pick things like a parable, or, or pick a, a conversation that someone has with Jesus, or pick a, an account of like, uh, Saul's experience on the road to Damascus, or, or the account of the woman caught in adultery, or, or the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And focus in on a portion of scripture, zero in on that, and stick with that for some time until you have gotten as much out of that passage as God intended you to have. My third point would be this. When our dogs got the bone, I, I don't know about you, but our dogs kept old bones. 
Do, do your dogs, for those of you who have dogs, do you have a collection of bones in the corner? Maybe not. Maybe my family really was dysfunctional. My sister's here, so she'll get that. But our, my dogs never grabbed all of their other bones to compare them, right? right? They didn't analyze you know, what bone was good or what bone was bad or what bone had better marrow and what bone had better sinew left on it. They didn't kind of try to communicate to us because that would be weird, I know. But they didn't try to communicate to us to kind of go, go to the butcher here or the butcher there. They just enjoyed it. They just enjoyed the bone. Sometimes we get caught up when we read scripture of trying to analyze it too much in our day-to-day devotional reading. And I would say to you this, enjoy the scripture. Just enjoy it. Don't be analytical. Think of it as having a coffee with a friend. I don't know anybody who goes to have a coffee with their friend and they're taking notes about what they said to cross-reference them to the last time that they had had conversation. Now, there's a time for critical uh, investigation in Scripture. But in our devotional reading, it's a time for God to speak to us. And there's that need for us to just to be able to enjoy the Scripture. You know, the fourth thing about our dogs with their bones is they had a pattern about how they went at the bone. You know what I mean? We, we, we had this one dog that whenever she got a new bone, she went to the corner where she always chewed on the bone, and she did uh, two circles to her right, put the bone down, and then two circles to the left, picked up the bone, and went at it. And so I would say to you that in our scripture reading, for us to meditate on scripture, there is a need for us to have a pattern that works that we need to have an established pattern that works for us. Now, let me suggest this one to you. This is one that I like to use, and it's to read the scripture three times. So in reading the scripture three times, you can do this over a day, over a week, over a month, really, whatever works for you in a pattern. And the first is to read it once as a novel. Read the story as you would a, a modern novel. Try to understand who the characters are. Try to understand the story point. Try to understand who the story was written through. Try to understand through your senses what those people involved in that may have been experiencing. The second is to read it a second time. And as you read it a second time, you might want to switch up from the version that you typically would use. Uh, You might want to read it aloud. If you're not a reader, you may want to get it on audio. There's a great, great resources of scripture and audio. But listen to it or read it a second time. But as you read it, listen for God to speak to you in it. So listen for a word or a phrase that you catch on. Listen to something that just really grabs your attention. And you kind of go, oh, I've never seen that in scripture before. Or I've never, I've never thought about it that way. But latch on to a phrase or a word. And let that roll around in your heart and in your soul. And then the third time is as you read it the third time, listen to God's invitation to you about your change point. The investing in scripture, uh, the allowing of the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, uh, the purpose for us to engage in that way is to allow God to invite us into transformation. And as you read that passage that third time, Listen for God to invite you to something. Maybe it's to think about a relationship that needs to be augmented. Maybe it's a 
a, a behavior that you need to sacrifice and surrender to him. Maybe it's an attitude that you just know is not Christ-like, and he's inviting you to a transformation. Now, I never said this was easy, right? Because sometimes those invitations are difficult of what we may be asked to give up. So, be relentless would be my... (laughs) Have you ever tried to take a bone from a dog? Yeah, it's not good, is it? it? The same thing should be for you and for me when we're meditating on Scripture. Protect the time. Protect the process. And protect the word that God gives you. You go back to that quote by Nowen. Our minds are like a banana tree with monkeys jumping all around it. There's need that when God speaks to us that we grab that and we hold onto it and we protect it as a dog would protect their bone. Let me share with you a story of how this has worked in my own life. I have a very good friend who was involved in our ministry uh, at Union Street. And there was this one point in the relationship I had with him where I was just frustrated. No, in all honesty, I was angry. I, I was mad. You know, I felt that some of his actions and some of his behaviors were that he was kind of promoting not the general kind of sense of the whole body being together, but really promoting a specific group of people and in specific one family. And as I begin to kind of really ruminate on this, it really drove me crazy. In in fact, I I became to be cranky. I, I was really not fun to be around. And in my reading, God brought to me to Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 that says this, get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave us. And I remember as I read that through the first time, I thought, oh, good story. I wonder who he was talking to. The second time that I read it through and I began to kind of say, oh, huh, get rid of bitterness. You know, Forgive one another just as God has forgiven us. Man, was I ever convicted. And as I begin to kind of then just come the third time to the reading and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do about this? He made it clear as day that my responsibility was to forgive the individual, to go to them, to confess my attitude, and to ask them for their forgiveness. The beauty of that is this. Our relationship was transformed as well as God granting me freedom from the bonds that that held on my life. So my encouragement to you this morning is this. The act of meditation creates space for God to work in our lives. And so let me encourage you to create space in your life through meditation or through some of the other spiritual disciplines that we've talked about this summer so that God can work a powerful, miraculous transformation in your life so that we may be able to give him the glory and that others may see him through us. Amen?